Chapter 7 After Mr. and Mrs. Bagthorpe and Dr. Winters had left, everybody started quarreling. They did not do so immediately, but after Uncle Parker had referred to Jack as the prophet for about the fifth time. "'What do you mean, prophet?' demanded William. "'There aren't such things nowadays.' "'It was just a fluke you coming up when you did in that suit,' said Tess. "'All right, if you're a prophet,' said Rosie, "'tell us what the weather will be like on Sunday "'when I go to Debbie Beach's open-air swimming party.' "'What an ignorant lot you are,' Uncle Parker told them, "'saving Jack from the necessity of taking up Rosie's challenge. "'There are more things in heaven and earth, let me tell you, "'than playing tennis and oboes. "'Young Jack here is, quite clearly, a highly gifted being.' "'Phenomenally gifted, gifted beyond all ken.' "'I don't believe it,' said William flatly. "'My own theory,' continued Uncle Parker, "'is that this latent faculty was triggered off by the shock of yesterday's fire. "'I have done some reading on the subject, and this is quite often the way it happens. "'In fact, I think I may say that I am proud that my own daughter was in part responsible for this marvellous flowering.' "'He's not going to start seeing ghosts, I hope,' said Grandma, "'because if he is, I might have to leave here and go and live somewhere else.' "'He may well see apparitions,' said Uncle Parker, "'or he may not. "'None of us yet knows the full extent of his powers. "'It will be a privilege for us all to be able to watch them as they develop.' Jack felt very odd indeed sitting there and hearing himself discussed like this. It all sounded like somebody else. "'There are no such things as ghosts.' Tess said. "'Indeed there are,' returned Uncle Parker. "'I had an aunt who had visitations almost nightly from a monk who had been buried alive centuries before, approximately in the spot where her wardrobe stood.' At this, Grandma said she was off out and left the room. "'I have always felt,' said Uncle Parker thoughtfully, "'that young Jack here had a kind of presence, an indefinable power.' "'Well, I haven't,' said William. I suppose there's an explanation. That alien intelligence Anonymous from Grimsby was talking about. Perhaps Jack's been taken over by that. Trust you to get your everlasting Anonymous from Grimsby in, said Tess, scathingly. Personally, I'm beginning to wonder if he even exists. I think he's a figment of your overheated imagination. So the row developed. The only one not involved was Jack himself, who sat quietly stroking zero. One by one the Bagthorpes went stalking off, and banging doors were heard in all parts of the house. An oboe started up, and a very loud radio signal began bleeping. Only Grandfather, Uncle Parker, and Jack were left. "'Better do a test,' said Uncle Parker. "'Can't be too careful. Test if he's being S.D.' He raised his voice to a pitch just above normal. "'Come on, Grandpa,' he said. "'Let's go and stick into those stuffed eggs now.' Grandpa, who was watching a TV film with the volume turned right off, did not bat an eyelid. Right, said Uncle Parker, all at once businesslike. What about those phone calls, then? It was the only way I could think of, said Jack. I'm sorry, I really am. If you ever do a thing like that again, Uncle Parker told him, I shall skin you alive. Your Aunt Celia has been lying in a darkened room since your last call. She may not write a poem or throw a pot for another month now. Her whole delicate makeup has been rudely shattered. I really am sorry, said Jack again. I never realized it would have that effect on her. He was evidently forgiven, because all at once Uncle Parker's face brightened, and he said, Hey, how about the lavender man, then? How about that? 
"'It went a bomb,' agreed Jack. "'Though I had a bit of trouble earlier on with the mysterious impressions, "'I couldn't seem to pin anyone down. "'I ended up having to do two on father.' "'Do him good,' said Uncle Parker heartlessly. "'How did he really do his arm?' "'Jack told him. "'It's the blight of this whole family,' said Uncle Parker, when he heard. "'Attention-seeking. Exhibitionism. Present company accepted. "'He'll certainly lose his hair if his arm gets put in plaster,' said Jack, gloomily. "'He'll take it out on us, especially Zero. "'Does he look better to you this morning than this morning? "'I've been setting him tasks to develop responsibility and self-respect.' <coughs> Uncle Parker gave Zero a cursory glance. What's Looks a cursory glance? Just like a sort of an unimportant, quick little glance. Looks all right to me, he said, but you'll never make a silk purse out of a cow's ear. Should be a sow's ear. Now look, I've got the next move planned. Two moves. Got your notebook? Jack shook his head. I've got it concealed in a foolproof hiding place. Only Zero and I know its whereabouts. Shall I fetch it? "'Haven't time. Any of that lot could be back at any minute. "'You're going to have to memorize it, I'm afraid. "'Now, the first thing we have to do is consolidate. "'Get that?' "'Consolidate,' repeated Jack. "'Write that in your book when you go up and underline it. "'What it means is, you want a few more stares past people's ears "'in the next day or two, right?' "'Right,' said Jack. "'I should give Grandma a miss,' Uncle Parker told him. "'She's getting jumpy.' "'I think I ought to give father a miss as well,' Jack said. "'He can't stand it when I look past his ear. "'It really seems to affect him.' "'You've done a jolly good job,' Uncle Parker told him. "'Definitely got him sitting up. "'But that lot's not going to settle for just the lavender man and the mysterious impressions. "'They're going to want some hard evidence. "'Without that, Jack, old lad, you'll be a nine-day wonder, and that'll be it. "'Relegated.' "'So what will I do?' "'I'm coming to that.' What we shall now mount is a two-pronged attack. The first thing we shall do is get you properly briefed on the whole subject. I shall offer to fetch that Atlanta creature from Isham tomorrow. They won't let you, objected Jack instantly. Atlanta? Atlanta, the Danish girl who's coming. Oh, yes, they will. Your father's out of action, and Laura's in the middle of her problems, right? Right, Jack assented. There we are, then. Only too glad to take me up. You'll see. They don't seriously think I'll ever kill anyone, you know. I think they do, Jack told him, and I do as well sometimes. Thank you, said Uncle Parker. I was going to go on to suggest that you come into Isham with me to a certain shop, but if you feel you're as good as dead meat the minute you step into my car, we'll forget the whole thing. Oh, no, no, Jack assured him hastily. I like going in your car. More like being on the Big Dipper, you know, exciting. And as long as you wear your seatbelt, you're all right he added. So that's the first thing, said Uncle Parker. You must not, of course, be seen accompanying me. I shall pick you up in the village, and you'll have to take a bus back here. Where shall I say I'm going? Say what you like. No, wait. You could say, mysteriously, I have a strong feeling, an urge, to go to Aisham. I feel as if I am being pulled there by an invisible magnet. <laughs> yes, that's good. Say that. It pulls in another mysterious impression at no extra cost. "'All right,' said Jack, "'though I don't like leaving Zero unprotected for too long. "'I'll have to be back by lunch.' "'You will be, and bring your campaign book with you.' "'What about the other prong of the attack?' Jack asked. "'Ah!' 
Uncle Parker looked suddenly hugely pleased and mysterious. I have a manifestation lined up the size of a house. I have up my sleeve a manifestation that will bring the whole tribe of them to their knees. What? Jack wanted to know. Uncle Parker's excitement was infectious, but he was shaking his head. Later. We've been together too long already. We shall be suspected of hatching. Just write, two-pronged attack, and leave two pages blank. Write, prong one at the top of one page, and prong two at the top of the other. Got it? Jack nodded. And now, said Uncle Parker, I'd be obliged if you'd go and do something noisy elsewhere. I shall help myself to some of your father's gin and tonic, and sit here with your grandfather, and see if I can guess what that abysmal piece of television is about. I do not normally watch, as you know. The whole medium is debased, and... Father's not here, Jack pointed out. I know jolly well you watch television. No need to keep up the act with me. I may watch the odd program now and again, conceded Uncle Parker. But to come in halfway through a film with the sound turned down, and work out who's who and what they're all at, is a mental exercise on par with chess, bridge, or the Times crossword. Now, clear off and make a noise somewhere. I don't see why. Because, dear boy, said Uncle Parker patiently, you will then be registered as having been somewhere other than in here with me. I am the Lavender Man, remember? Your siblings are not exactly the geniuses they crack themselves up to be, but they can, by and large, add one and one. I'll go in the garden, Jack said, and throw sticks for zero. The very ticket, agreed Uncle Parker. Jack made as much noise as possible in the garden, but everyone else was making so much as well that he was probably wasting his time. Rosie was playing the violin, and deliberately hitting a lot of excruciating notes. Tess was playing the oboe, and William had moved from his radio onto his drums, and was doing some of his best tribal stuff. It was at times like this that Mr. Bagthorpe would say that he envied Grandpa. Whether or not Jack was wasting his time making a noise, he was certainly wasting it throwing sticks for zero who was notoriously hopeless at this game. It was, Mr. Bagthorpe said, his inability to perform this perfectly simple exercise that marked him out. All dogs could fetch sticks, he said. They were practically born being able to do it. Jack had never given up trying to train him, though he made sure he never did it when Mr. Bagthorpe was around. This was a golden opportunity. What happened was that Jack showed Zero the stick and then hurled it as far as he could, yelling, Fetch! fetch Zero at the top of his voice. When Zero hung back, looking confused, Jack raced for the stick and retrieved it himself, at which Zero would become very excited and bark and dance round wagging his tail. He obviously thought that this was what the game consisted of, and got some kind of enjoyment out of it. Try as he might, Jack could not think of getting, Jack could not think of getting through to Zero the message that it was he who was supposed to do the fetching. After nearly an hour of this, by which time he was exhausted, while Zero showed every sign of being able to keep up the game forever, Jack had a sudden inspiration. 